just in the good side, liking Mary a lot more. <laughs> anyway, I should have another story. Anyway, um, so I grew up in a Catholic family, uh, a very dysfunctional family. Uh, was sexually abused since I was three years old until I was 14. I did not know that I was being abused. I just thought that that was the normal of life. Um, I had a very violent father. Um, so yeah, I got hit a few times and that was difficult. <laughs> so by the age of 14, I was already smoking marijuana and yeah, it wasn't happening all the time, but you know, you hang with the wrong crew and that's what you get. And by the age of 16, I started uh, my first relationship and I was in a sexual relationship by the age of 16. And I am sure <laughs> I was really looking for love. I was seeking deeply for love. Everywhere I could find it. I finished this relationship around 19. And I went on a deeper search of love. And a deeper search of fulfillment of life. So I became a little bit new age. <laughs> I have done it all. Um, became a little bit new age, trying to find the spiritual side of things and partying and having a good life and just like sleeping around. That's pretty much what it was my life. But it was really good at the same time, you know. I was really good. I, was, I had a job and I was studying really hard. By the age of 22, I got a... I, I was being molested again. And that just opened up a kind of warmth for me. And I realized that my whole life I have been abused. That what I have experienced was not normal. That is not what everyone goes through. So that took me into a severe depression. I was extremely depressed. I was taking um, antipsychotics, antidepressants. Um, could not sleep at night. I will, I try to kill myself, jump out of a window. They stopped me and they took me to a mental hospital. And I had a moment, a moment where I was asked, I just heard it as a voice from the outside. And he said, Carla, do you want to stay here? And I just had a moment and I said, no. So I was taken home. I didn't stay at the mental hospital. <laughs> God is good, hey? And yeah, so that was where my life was at. And I started doing uh, a lot more hardcore drugs. So I started um, using cocaine. This is what I'm taking, um, antipsychotics, so you should not do that. And I was doing it. Um, I remember going on a trip and trying to get away. My psychiatrist says she cannot leave the country, and I did. Because I could, I want to do it. I wanted to escape. I wanted to escape myself without not knowing that that's what I wanted to do. 
because that's what sin is. So I went to Colombia and I remember doing cocaine for two days straight. And I leave on the third day to go to a different city. And I'm in a bus. And I start bleeding nonstop on the back of the bus. Some of the effects of the cocaine. But so some of the grace of God that didn't kill me. <laughs> I came back to Peru out of all of that. And long story short, the Lord made a way for me to come to Australia. And that's definitely the farthest place you can find around the world from Peru. <laughs> and that's what I want to do. So I might just put me in that plane and I'm going. But, you know, as, as we get into that stage, or, or the stage that I was, I, I, I started becoming a lot more softer about God again. And I had some really amazing Catholic friends, and they did some mass for me. And I just started getting soft because I started believing, like, I don't need to be in medication, and I'm just going to stop it. And I did stop it. Thank you, Jesus. So when the door to come to Australia opened up, it was just like an absolute um, miracle. I kind of find any other words. And so I came to Australia, and I was like, thank you. This is going to be my new life. The old in the past. I'm going to go to a good Catholic church, and I'm going to follow God. Whatever that looks like, I'm going to be really good. Because I'm in a different space, you know, I can be good now. <laughs> I don't know if you have noticed, but um, uh, I'm an extrovert. So around the first three weeks after arriving to Australia and not knowing anyone, I was going crazy. So I was like, I need to connect with people. And I went on couch surfing. And my first meetup was at a pub. So it didn't take long for me to discover that on Sundays... I was not going to go to church, but I was going to have Sunday sesh every week. <laughs> I was drinking. I was doing drugs again. I was sleeping around again. I just could not be a different person. And I tried, but I couldn't. That's just who I was. During that time, I was having extreme demonic attacks every night. Every night. They're trying to kill me. I can't, I can't not, I'm not exaggerating. This is reality to what was happening in, the, in my room. I was being trying to get killed in the spirit. They probably would have killed me. I remember that I, had a, I brought from Peru a Bible that I never opened. I never opened it up, but I had the Bible, and I had a rosary. And every night I would go to sleep holding the Bible and holding my rosary with the light on. Because for some reason that was my comfort, that that would, that would keep me through the night. It wasn't long, probably around October 2011, and I started seeing a guy. And I was like, all right, this is it. This is serious. I'm just going to pursue this. And um, got a ticket to go to New Zealand for New Year's Eve to see my cousin. And I said to myself, 
All right. I'm going to go to New Zealand for New Year's Eve. And I'm going to make sure that I do not drink, or if I drink, that I don't get drunk, that I'm not going to do any drugs, and I'm definitely not going to be sleeping around because I really want to work out this relationship. <laughs> because, I'm sorry, I'm just trying to be really as open because only being completely vulnerable, we can see the goodness of God. <laughs> and I'm not ashamed because I live in the grace of God and the adoption of it. So, I arrived in New Zealand on the 31st of December, 5 p.m. Had a little snooze. By 11.30, I was smashed. <laughs> Completely drunk. I woke up 6.30 in the morning at someone's house. At someone's bed with someone that I didn't know. <laughs> and the fear of the Lord <laughs> came in the room. I woke up and I cannot describe you this, but I felt the sickness inside of me. I felt sick, I felt like I was going to die, and I felt like something in the room was not compatible to who I was. And everything in me and everything that I knew, all I wanted to do was to confess. I need to confess. And I look, there was a window, and I look at the window, and there was this beautiful tree. And I felt the Lord was watching me. I knew God was there. I knew I could not hide. I knew I could not go that far away, all the way to New Zealand from Peru. He still will find me. And I was there. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for his grace. Because I had no idea where I was. I had no phone. I had nothing. And this guy, <laughs> sorry, this guy um, had taken my cousin's number and he took me back to her. And when I met her, I said, Vanessa, something, something has happened. And I need to go and confess. I need to go to church. And this is the thing. This is not her being mean, but this is exactly what the world says. We are. But in one encounter with the Lord, and it changes that. And she said, come on, Carla. You do this all the time. It will pass. It will be okay. But I knew, I knew, I knew the spirit of the Lord. And I could not know it like as I know it now, but I knew that something in that room was different and changed me. Thank you, Sharon. So this is the 1st of January. You know, I have made a New Year resolution that I was going to be good, and the Lord was working on my New Year resolution. <laughs> so, the 2nd of January, I'm walking uh, to go and see my cousin at work, and I walk past a church. And as I'm walking past, I thought, oh, you know what, I'm just going to get in, and I'm just going to, I'm going to confess. That's what I'm going to do. 
And as I walk in, the church was empty. I could not see a priest. So I sat there at the back. And I started crying and crying and crying. And I said to God, I don't know how to live this life. I can't do it. I can't do it. But here I am, and you can take my life because I do not know how to do this. That probably was 40 minutes of intense crying and boiling my eyes out. <laughs> After 40 minutes, I saw a priest walking past, and I was like, no way. I already cried 40 minutes. I, said, I gave it all to all. I'm not going to go and confess to this man. I'm just walking out. And as I walk out, you know, I thought, gosh, 40 minutes crying. <laughs> Who knows if God is real? <laughs> As I'm walking, I heard the voice of the Lord. And he called me by name and he said, Carla, <laughs> walk under the bridge. There was a bridge coming. And I was like, what the heck? What was that? <laughs> and he said again, Carla, walk under the bridge. So I thought, I'm going really bananas right now. But what's the worst that can happen? I'm going to go under the bridge. And I walk under the bridge. And I heard the voice of the Lord and he said to me, how do you think I have forgotten you when I brought you to this place where you can see the fullness of my creation? I don't know why he said that. <laughs> but that's exactly what he said. And I said, God, if this is you talking to me, I need you to help me because I have plans to see tomorrow. And I just don't know how to do it. You, you have seen my life of full works to trying to be good, to trying to be different, to recognizing things are not okay and doing it in my own strength. So I knew that I, I, knew that I did not know how to have a different life. I did not know anything about self-control. I walk away from that moment just feeling completely transformed because I knew that that was the voice of God. And I get to my cousin's work, and there were two guys there, two newborn Christians. And one of them said to me, they started talking about God, obviously, and then one of them said to me, what are you doing tomorrow? I was like, well, this is it, what it is to walk in faith with the Lord, without me knowing that exactly, right? But I was just like, I said to God, I do not know what to do, and I have plans. So the next day he said, do you want to go to the beach? And I said, yeah. For the next 10 days, I got the revelation for the first time of the blood of Christ. You see, I grew up knowing about God and knowing about the cross and knowing all these things. But I never knew what his blood did for me. 
I never knew the fullness of the love of God for me. And I was adopted. I was adopted right there. Oh, gosh, this. Sorry to be so emotional, but I don't know how not to cry because he's the reason why I'm here. So, long story short, <laughs> 10 days talking to this guy, just seeing light coming out of his feet, and I'm like, I don't know what does he have, but I do want it. <laughs> and he gifted me with a Bible as I was leaving New Zealand. And then he said, you need to start on Romans. And I was like, sure. And you write down every single question that you get out of reading it. Now, you understand as well, this is like, I'm just in Australia for, over here for like six months, seven months. So English is like really, you know, like if I never read the Bible in Spanish, imagine reading it for the first time in English. So I was like, <laughs> the law, what's the law? <laughs> you know, Gentile, what's a Gentile? So it was a lot of questions, just basic questions of things. <laughs> and... This guy called me three times a day, every day, for a whole month. I'm so thankful. When I landed to Australia, I was not the same. Because I was weak, he finally could be strong. And this guy called me and he said, what's going on? She just don't want to see me. And I was like, no, I don't. <laughs> He's like, why? Because I found Jesus. And I'm in love with Jesus. From that moment on, I walk in purity until the day I got married. The Lord redeemed me <laughs> so deeply. And what I wanted to share with you is because we cannot be revived, revived, and we cannot be walking in revival if we don't understand our adoption. Because we've got to be working and walking in works. What it looks to be close to God, what it looks to be a Christian, but the Lord does not want any of that. And I can tell you that he wants your heart. Whatever that is, at whatever stage it is, that's all he wants. It doesn't matter how bad you were or how amazing you have been in your walk with the Lord. And he loves your, he loves your good deeds. Don't take me wrong. He, he really loves it. But it's not, that's not what he wants. I think that we have come to confuse a lot of what the Lord wants from us. And especially when we're talking about revival, when we're talking about reaching nations, when we're talking about reaching the lost. And we cannot reach the lost if we are not following the one commandment that he gave us. Love your God with all your heart. 
and love your neighbor as I have loved you. When we are revived in his love, we love God. When you see me doing here, when you see me worshiping here, when you see me talking and whatever that is, you know what? You can find me in my bedroom doing the same thing. Because I don't do it for anyone else. I just do it unto Jesus. Because I delight in his presence. I delight in the fullness of who he is. And I feel like I want to share this part of it because I love what um, Colossians 3.10 in the Passion says. For you have acquired new creation life, which is continually being renewed into the likeness of the one who created you, giving you the full revelation of God. That's what we walk daily. We are continually being transformed into the likeness of God. And if by any chance you're feeling like your works are enough and has set you already into the likeness of God, <laughs> I'll be like, check your heart. Ask the Lord to check your heart. Because if your confidence, if your confidence of being in Christ is in your works, I can tell you something. You can go out on the streets and you can see great things, but they will not break generations. Only love can change generations. If you know that you are loved by God, and if you love God with all your heart, you will be able to outpour. You will be able to go anywhere knowing that you don't need anything, but you give everything to him and it absolutely comes back to you and you're like, I'm overflowing. And you can give away. <laughs> so in my walking with the Lord, and this is what I say, like, it's so, so amazing how he loves our hearts and that's all he wants. In Luke, sorry, in, I'm sorry, in Luke 6, 45, it says, People are knowing the same way. Out of the virtue stored in their hearts, good and upright people will produce good fruit. But out of the evil hidden in their hearts, evil ones will produce what is evil. For the overflow of what has been stored in your heart will be seen by your fruit and will be heard in your words. You see, I got saved. And I had like this moment of revelation, you know. I had the Lord. My life was different. I was able to say to this guy, yeah, no, no more. That's it. Finish. Praise God. <laughs> but I think it was maybe a couple weeks after that I had a work party. And I got drunk. Oh. <laughs> and I was really drunk. But you know what was the difference? I got drunk. And I started prophesying over the whole boat. I started telling everyone how much Jesus loved them. And I walked away out of that boat and I was on the street and I was praying for people on the street, telling them how much God has done for me and that I was being adopted. And people were like, I never heard about God like this. And I'm drunk. I'm not lying to you. But 
my heart was full of him. My ways have not changed yet because he's continually transforming me. But my heart was already given to him. I was a new creation. And everything that flowed out of me was God. And the spirit of adoption. <laughs> That's really funny. I remember, apparently, the next day when I went to work, people were like, you were in the toilet and you're like, saying like these weird things so I was praying in tongues because I was probably like just you know releasing it there and then <laughs> and then like she just went the whole way with this <laughs> but that's who God is that's who God is and he loved me there and he loves me now and his love for me has not changed because now I don't get drunk easily or I don't do these things his love is the same and his pride upon me is exactly the same to that moment that I ran to him, to that moment that he found me in that bedroom. That's the spirit of God. That's the spirit of adoption. <laughs> He's so good. Recognizing and understanding and just basing our life in the simplicity of the gospel and the simplicity of what is being required of us. You know, because we can complicate things a lot. We can make things a lot bigger than what they really are. And we can start determining God according to the things that we do. But your ways can be wrong. But if your heart is pure to Him, He's able to do everything. He's able to change your life. And I love that verse. Keep my heart on check. Search my heart, Lord. Search my heart. Because you know what? We don't even know what isn't. But He does. I can't even judge my own heart. So I can't even judge other people. Unless I would judge other people's heart. But he can search it. And in his kindness and in his love, he will show you. And you will be able to walk differently. <laughs> so when I'm thinking about revival, or when I'm thinking about my life in revival, I felt like I wanted to share some testimonies of what my life, and I shared this one of the boat, which is really funny. <laughs> And I have another drunk stories as well, but you probably don't want to hear it. <laughs> but the Lord was kind. So don't take me wrong. I'm not saying this is not like, oh, okay, you go and get drunk. You're missing the whole point. The point is the Lord is so kind to whatever you're at, He will find you if your heart is pure to Him. So um, I, I was transformed. I spent hours in my bedroom praying in tongues. Spent hours worshiping to the Lord. That's all I wanted to do. I would be waking up in the middle of the night just praying, just reading the Word, just hungry, 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 hungry for the more of God. Because I want it, you know. When you're a baby, babies get really hungry. And they just want to be drinking and drinking and drinking and drinking. And I, I was one. I was just a baby. 
I, uh, when I start reading the Gospels for the first time, the first time, <laughs> oh my goodness! You know, like I knew the whole story of the cross, but when I went to the Gospel for the first time, and I start reading it myself, I couldn't do it. I just have to close the Bible and weep and weep and weep for the pain that He endured for me. It's real. It's real. It transforms us. <laughs> So, walking this life with the Lord, and just walking the only life that I know, I remember like going to work, and this is what I feel revival is, but it's not limited to. And also we need to understand that um, the Lord is very kind to know your time and season. So I was at work, and I just um, had like a... 35-minute lunch, and I quickly drove to Robina because I felt to go to Robina. And I knew that it was going to take me a while from where I was working. And I was ordering food. And I got my food, and I only had probably like 10 minutes, not more, and I had to go back. And as I sat with my food, I looked to the side, and I saw this woman. And I was just like, ooh, I know what you want to do, God. I know what you want to do. <laughs> I really need to eat my food. And it's like, and it's like, it's like I saw her and I saw the pain and I knew, I knew that she was struggling with medical things. And the Lord said, I just want you to tell her that I am with her. So being in revival is being in obedience to the voice of God. So I just walked to the side with my food and I said, Hi, how are you going? I just want to tell you, God says that he's with you. And he's sitting right here with you and you are not alone. And this woman just broke down in tears and she's like, Today was my last day of chemo, with chemo, whatever. And I was praying to know where God is at. <laughs> I'm like, well, he's right here. <laughs> there was no more to say. And it was just being obedient to what God is doing. Anyway, after that, oh, I have all the similar stories. And, and I want to get to something before I finish. Revival without love is Nothing. <laughs> Reaching out without love means nothing. Love looks like something. And love and revival looks beyond the supernatural things. I was in Japan. And I went on a mission trip. And Japan is like, you know, really amazing. Um... People are really hard workers, so it, it, it's a very uh, integral part of their culture to, to work and to work hard. So these are people that are like waking up like five in the morning and having 12-hour shifts and they're working really hard. Um, amazing country. Anyway, the Lord took me there on my first mission trip, and it's midnight. And I'm walking down the streets, and Japan is full of homeless. 
full of it. And you would not expect it because it's so rich. And it's so... Yeah, and actually, I feel like even on daytime, you don't see them as much. Because there is such a shame on them for being homeless. Because the, the, the level of the integral of the culture to be a worker is so high. So if you see them, you will never see their face because of the shame. And I was walking, and this is about midnight, and we just walked out of an amazing church. It was just like revival and people are praying and they're like on the faces and everything and anyway so my friend Lee and I we're walking down with another guy who was uh, the translator and as we are walking I look at this man homeless and we just sat there to love on him you know to talk how he's going whatever he ended up sharing his story and he could not work because he lost um, his strain on his arm so he could not really like, yeah, he had not strain on his arm. I don't know what it would be. Anyway, all right, Lord, we're just going to pray right now. And we did. And guess what happened? He got healed. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Immediately the man is like, what the heck? This is amazing. And obviously, you know, we went all the way. Well, the Lord loves you and he's healed you because he loves you. And, you know, you feel the supernatural power. <laughs> And, and he gave his life to the Lord. And the Lord spoke. And he said, Carla, he's my son now. Are you going to let him out on the street? <laughs> I have gone to Japan with $400. That's like nothing. Like literally nothing. <laughs> I was like, oh. I know what the Lord is doing. Because the work of the Lord goes beyond to your own ability. <laughs> and the works of the Lord is not just for the momentum of everything happening and be like, yeah, healing, power. It's to love one another like Christ would do. And when you have experienced adoption, you cannot see a brother and leave it as an orphan. <laughs> so I said to him, Brother, you, do you, have you had food? And he's like, no. So we walked to this curry place. Sorry, my pants are falling. <laughs> um, we went to this curry place. And we're ordering food. And this guy is sitting next to me. And we're just talking and stuff. And the food gets, you know, we, they serve us the food. And I'm talking to my friend. And then I turn around and I saw this man. And he's crying. He's crying, crying big tears. I said, what's going on? Like, you don't like it? <laughs> and he said, no one has sat with me to have dinner for 10 years. <laughs> That's what revival does. You see, he got healed, which is amazing and he's powerful. And the Lord wants to do that. But he's not finished there. Adoption is what changes everything. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, we just enjoy having this meal with you. And I said, 
Do not worry about tonight. We're going to take you to a hotel to sleep. And my friend, <laughs> my friend Lee, just hit me and says, like, how are you going to pay for it? And this is the thing. Perfect love cast out all fears. I was not afraid about my wallet anymore. I was not afraid of my own limitations. I was completely driven by love. And I knew that God was going to give that man not just a healing and not just a meal, but he was going to give it a cozy, nice, warm bed to sleep that night. And I look at him and I say, well, I only have 270 probably left right now, and I will use it all. So we walked to this hostel, and I could see that he was... My friend Lee was pretty aware that I was just going to do it. And he said, don't worry, I'm going to pay for it. Thank you, Lord. Because he provides. He provides. You know what I mean? <laughs> I just, it's just obedience to love. It's just obedience to love. And he knows how to give. So I just want to say, when, when, when you, if you're bringing the revival outside, if you're bringing revival, it's because you have been revived in who God is for you and what he can do for you. So do not seek outside what you need to find first in. The love of God changes everything. And I'm saying about times and seasons because I was out on the streets praying. I was doing a lot of things for a long time. Gosh, my extrovert love to be an evangelist. <laughs> Three in the morning, school is, you found me there. It's like, I need to go to work. And they were giving me time off because they knew that I was preaching the gospel. It was a Christian space. So I was like, thank you, Lord. <laughs> Do I believe that the fire of, the God, of God has quenched my life because now I'm a mom and a wife? And honestly, you don't have the energy to be out on the streets as much. Has the love of God quenched because my body is going through sickness? Has the love of God and the fire of God quenching my life because every single bad circumstance has been thrown at me in the past two years? No. No. Because I get in my room with the Lord and I give it all. I'm revived for Him and alive for Him. So tonight, I just want to finish this because I felt so strongly the Lord, the spirit of adoption is here. Spirit of adoption changes all things. The spirit of adoption <laughs> finds you and throws away your works and throws away everything that you feel that you have built and he just welcomes you again. So I'm going to invite you If you feel like 
you want to be revived in that spirit of adoption that truly changes everything. The spirit of adoption that says you are welcome. <laughs> you are known. And I have known you. The same spirit of adoption that found me in, in deep sin in that bedroom. And he said, I love you. If you want that, I would love you to come to the front. And we're going to worship together. If you feel even like you just need to be revived in that first love, come to the front and I would love to worship with you guys. I have this song that I would love to play with you, for you. And this is not for anyone else to see, but this is a worship for the Lord. This is all for Him. And if you don't know the Lord, if you don't know Jesus, and if you have never, ever, ever, ever experienced that deep adoption that says you are welcome, He says, I love you. There is nothing you can do. Or there is nothing that you have to do to receive my love, but here I am. And now you are my son or you're my daughter. If you have not experienced that and you would love to receive Jesus in that spirit of adoption, you can come to the front as well.